With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Monday. Happy day after Sunday uh, to you and yours. Thank you for joining me. Uh, Still getting positive news about Uncle Jimmy's recovery and recuperation from, you know, some minor surgery. Uh, Might delay having Uncle Jimmy on via Skype until next week. But I can tell you in all authenticity and seriousness, he's doing better. Uh, He will be rejoining the show at some point, but he's got a little recovering to do. And so I want to thank you all for keeping Uncle Jimmy in your thoughts and prayers. We appreciate the positive energy. Uh, But the show must roll on even without my uh, number one sidekick, Uncle Jimmy. And uh, today, man, we got a fantastic show, Uh, a show that... It's going to try to pick up where we left off last week. Last week we had a string of really good shows and had a theme about masculinity that, uh, you know, will continue. And I still invite those of you all uh, new to the experience. And even if you've been around for a while, you got to join the fearless army. Are you man enough to join the fearless army? Uh, Are you woman enough to support the fearless army? to support the men that need to stand up. And so I need you to go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock, hit that subscribe button, hit those likes, leave a comment, join the fearless army because we're gonna take back this country and we're going to ask men to stand up and reestablish control of this country. Uh, So I need you to do that because I need you to support the kind of content I'm about to give you today. Uh, I, I don't have a full fire starter, but I am going to start a fire. And then we're going to bring on uh, one of the last uh, true journalists still working in the American newspaper industry, John Canzano from the Portland Oregonian. Uh, Any of you guys in the upper Northwest, you know exactly who John is. You know his work. He's been the premier sports writer in that area for the better part of two decades. Uh, And we're bringing him on because Sports Illustrated did some cover story this week about a Nike executive, Larry Miller, who copped to murder. Sports Illustrated has a cover story about the chairman of Jordan brand, 72-year-old Larry Miller, who on the pages of Sports Illustrated confesses to a murder that he did 56 years ago as a 16-year-old. He says that no one knew about this for 56 years, and now he has uh, decided to tell Howard Beck of Sports Illustrated 
during a 90-minute interview uh, about this murder from 56 years ago. And I found this story fascinating. Again, those of you that know, like Portland is home base uh, for Nike, and John Cassano uh, knows Larry Miller, writes about Nike. Larry Miller at one time was the president of the Portland Trailblazers. He's worked for Nike two different times. In between that, he was the president of the Portland Trailblazers. This is a fascinating story that no one's really talking about, but we're gonna talk about it because we're part of the fearless army. We go where other shows and where other people in the media dare not go. And I just found this story fascinating. I think this came out on Thursday or Friday of last week, but it kind of flew under the radar. I read about it this weekend and on Sunday night and Monday morning, I spent the better part of the day like trying to figure out who is Larry Miller, why is he on the pages of Sports Illustrated confessing to murder that he did in six, uh, at the age of 16, 56 years ago, and why is Sports Illustrated have him on the cover uh, in a celebratory fashion? The story is written very sympathetically towards Larry Miller and his confession of killing, uh, I believe, an 18-year-old who had no criminal record, who had no run-ins or involvement with the police. This all happened in 1965. Larry Miller on the page of Sports Illustrated says he basically killed the kid out of revenge because Larry Miller had joined a gang at the age of 13 and by the age of 16 was a full-blown gang-banging thug. This is his own description, this isn't me. And they wanted to take retribution for someone in their gang getting hurt or killed. And Larry Miller says they killed this Edward White even though they had no idea if he was involved in the gang, if he had anything to do with killing or hurting, harming their friend. It was just a random act of violence he did as a 16-year-old gang member. Sports Illustrated wrote the story so vaguely that in reading the story, it was like unclear, like, did this man ever go to prison for real, for real, for killing someone? And then I started hunting down, trying to find stuff written in the Philadelphia newspapers about this or, or just anywhere on the internet, and I stumbled across uh, Larry Miller's Wikipedia page and on the Wikipedia page at the time that I read it Monday morning it alleged that Larry Miller never went to prison for killing Edward White and and I'm, it didn't jive with what was insinuated in this Sports Illustrated story and so Sports Illustrated in their story and their retelling of their 90-minute interview with Larry Miller they never directly said like he did this murder and he was sentenced to X number of years for this murder. Th they insinuate that he went to prison, but it just isn't written clearly. And being a former journalist, having written a lot of sensitive stories, I was like, this just set off alarm bells. Like, why aren't they being direct about this? Why aren't there details? They say that he was in prison from age 16 to 30, uh, but, but they never 
explain why, other than they make you believe it was all about this murder of Edward White, but, but they lead you that direction, but they never spell it out clearly. And so Monday morning, I'm doing snooping around, trying to get to the bottom of this. Why was the man in and out of prison from age 16 to 30, or either juvenile or prison? And, and that ended up leading me to John Cassano uh, of the Portland Oregonian, because I, I saw his story that where he had similar questions to me reading the Sports Illustrated version of Larry Miller's life. He had to say, like, at one point, there's a passage in the article, I want to read it verbatim, where Sports Illustrated writes that, uh, that one of the reasons Miller's confessing this to Sports Illustrated, discussing it proved therapeutic. The nightmares and migraines started to fade and then ceased altogether as the writing process unfolded. And they're, they're, Sports Illustrated at that point is writing about Larry Miller and his oldest daughter are writing a book about his life, and this murder is part of the book. And so at this point, I'm like, well, they're writing a book because they're trying to get a movie deal, and this is going to be some kind of updated gangster version of The Pursuit of Happiness. Anybody ever see the movie Will Smith did, The Pursuit of Happiness? It's a great book about some Northern California executive that basically raised his son all by himself and went through all these uh, different obstacles in raising his son and trying to start a career and eventually became a millionaire. Uh, the Pursuit of Happiness is one of the best books I've ever read. It's one of the best movies I ever saw. And I'm reading this Sports Illustrated thing and, and hearing Larry Miller's writing a book with his daughter. I'm like, oh, they're hyping a movie. And this is going to be the hip hop gangster version of Pursuit of Happiness. This is going to be the, the Godfather meets the Pursuit of Happiness, I, I guess. But here, here was the key sentence, the next sentence. They, I'm going to reread the whole thing in contest. Discussing it proved therapeutic. The nightmares and migraines started to fade and then ceased altogether as the, the writing process unfolded. He says he is planning to reach out to White's family as well. And I'm like, this man is confessing a murder to Sports Illustrated. They're writing about it as if this is some great act of humanity or humanitarian act that he's he's writing his wrongs from the past. And then I see this sentence go, he hasn't talked to Edward White's family. He's writing a book. He's doing Sports Illustrated interviews. He's putting all this out there. And at no time has he given any thought to Edward White's family. They buried an 18 year old for no reason 56 years ago. And so it just seemed like the first step in any cathartic process would be, let me make amends to the people that I hurt. Larry Miller has gone on to become a wildly successful executive. Surely the guy, chairman of Jordan brand, that probably means he's worth a minimum, a minimum of $25 million, probably worth $50 million. Who, who knows? You're the chairman of Jordan brand at Nike. You got to be worth a ton of money. So 
He kills Edward White, goes to prison, uh, gets educated at Temple University while in prison, uh, gets out. And they tell a story about how he interviewed for one job and was honest with the person about his criminal past and they didn't give him a job. And then from then on, he concealed it, never told anybody. Adam Silver, Michael Jordan, Phil Knight, who runs Nike. None of these people know anything about his criminal past, according to this retelling in Sports Illustrated. Uh, and when he decides to confess, no mention of it to Edward White's family. They can read it in Sports Illustrated just like everybody else. That was one of my first major red flags. There were many red flags in this story, particularly the way they unpacked and alluded to his jail sentence. But come to find out, uh, Larry Miller did four and a half years for killing Edward White. He got out of prison or juvenile. And guess what? This is not mentioned in the Sports Illustrated story. But it is mentioned in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania versus Larry Miller. Larry Miller kidnapped someone and was convicted of kidnapping. That violated his parole. He went back to prison, I believe, in 1976. And that's why he spent from age 16 to age 30 basically incarcerated. He kidnapped someone. This isn't anywhere in the Sports Illustrated story. Nowhere to be found. Sports, this is an alleged, used to be, major media outlet. They can't even find out why the guy was in prison for so long. They just took his word for, for it based off of what they were able to glean from a 90-minute interview. When you're sitting in front of someone, anyone with a criminal history or no criminal history, they'll tell you their side of the story. As a journalist, you go check it out and find additional details. In journalism, they say, if your mother says she loves you, get a second opinion. It would have been nice to know in this glowing Sports Illustrated article that Larry Miller also was convicted of kidnapping and that's why he went back to prison. That's not confessed in this glowing Sports Illustrated piece. And so uh, John Cassano helped me figure this out this morning and that's why we're bringing John on because he's the actual expert but I, or more expert than I am anyway on this topic but I, I've just scratched the surface of where I want to go with this conversation because there's a certain group of people that uh, are offered all kinds of forgiveness and I guess Larry Miller is in that group where he gets forgiveness and he gets celebrated on the cover of Sports Illustrated despite confessing a murder, despite being involved in a kidnapping. Larry Miller's sins are all forgiven and this is a story about uh, someone overcoming a difficult past and becoming an executive and I'm sure the book and movie deals are just flying in right now. Others don't get that. And we'll get into that. You know, Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court Justice, he would love to be Larry Miller. 
Brett Kavanaugh played grab ass with a girl uh, as a teenager. And people want him eliminated from the planet. Played grab ass with a girl as a teenager. She thought, she believed he wanted to rape her. He did not, she never said he raped her. They had a, he said, she said about a sexual encounter. We want him eliminated from the planet. Larry Miller, murder and kidnapping, cover of Sports Illustrated. Very interesting. We'll get into that uh, and more with John Cassano. But before we do all that, I want to uh, tell you about my great friends over at Good Ranchers. Go to Good Ranchers. You want great tasting steaks? Go to Good Ranchers. You want great tasting, 100% farm-raised American food? Go to Good Ranchers. That's right, folks, for the best grass-fed and grain-finished beef and farm-raised chicken, you need to see our friends over at Good Ranchers. They have the best quality USDA-graded food that you can buy. What you usually purchase at your grocery store simply can't compare. What makes things even better is that you can have it shipped safely to your home in individually sealed and seasoned packages. Everyone in your family is going to enjoy what they have to offer, so stop waiting and go order from them right now. The other reason why you need to do it, they support me and this show. If you want to be in the Fearless Army, you need to be eating what Fearless Army soldiers eat, and that's Good Ranchers. They support me, this show, this content, a point of view that you believe in, a point of view that supports America, that puts America first. That's why you need to be supporting Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless to get $20 off and free express shipping. That's GoodRanchers.com fearless. All right, welcome back. All right, let's roll up and roll out to Oregon to welcome in John Casano, longtime sports writer, host of the Bald Face Truth on Portland Radio. He wrote a terrific column for the Oregonian about Larry Miller, and he provided me uh, Monday morning the information I was looking for, the background on uh, Larry Miller and, and just some of the mysteries that weren't solved in this article written by Sports Illustrated. John, I, I'm gonna start someplace different than, than just strictly talking about Larry Miller. I, I actually wanna talk a little bit about you and why I think you're important and, and, and I'm not feeding you gas, I'm just being honest. <laughs> I wish that somehow you had worked in New York or Chicago or LA or I don't, somewhere in Texas or whatever. You're the best sports journalist that people don't know about. And, and, and I know people in the Upper Northwest do know about you, but I, I'm telling you, you're in a rare breed. You're one of the best that's ever done it and continues to do it. Why have you never, and, and I don't mean this to denigrate Portland or that area, but why did you stay there uh, throughout your entire career? There were, you could have been as big as anybody in this business if you had, if you had left the Portland area. 
Well, I'm doing this show uh, from the studio at home at my house. And I had, Jason, I appreciate everything you said, but I, I've had chances to leave Portland. Uh, I've turned out, down jobs in New York and L.A. and Seattle. And I came to Portland from the San Jose Mercury News. So I had seen a bigger market and covered the NFL Major League Baseball. But, uh, you know, in my travels, I got to cover Bobby Knight at Indiana and Notre Dame football as a beat reporter. I, I really started to value audience, right, and an audience that's engaged and connected. And I found when I got to Portland, the Blazer fans, the Duck fans, the Beaver fans, I had an audience and a community to write to. And, you know, at, at some of my other stops, I felt like I was writing uh, into an abyss where uh, people weren't as connected or engaged or passionate about what they were what they were reading about. So I really value that. And, and you know, I love what I do. And I love uh, being one of the voices here in the Pacific Northwest and, and covering the Pac-12 and happy to be on your show and wherever else. But all that other stuff wasn't that important to me. I don't know. I, I just, uh, I, I looked around and felt like, you know, my family's important to me. Being able to, being able to go to my kids' soccer games on a Saturday or a volleyball game is important to me in addition to the other stuff that I do professionally. So I appreciate what you said and, uh, and uh, also respect and admire what you've done over the years. John, I, I, I get all of that and what you just said, but, but your level of truth telling, I'm amazed that you can do that in Portland, uh, a city that I think of as, as, as far left and as perhaps, and again, maybe I just don't know, you, you tell me, I, I've, I think I've visited Portland maybe once, I don't really know the area greatly, but I would just imagine it's difficult to tell the truth in Portland, but you've done it and done it so successfully there. Educate me a little bit about the area, maybe what I don't know. I, I'm amazed at the level of success you've had in Portland. Yeah, I think there's a there's a real vocal minority that that really does. It's what the rest of the country hears from. And it's really what drives a lot of the politics here locally. Uh, City Hall is a mess in downtown Portland. We don't have leadership uh, that's coming from City Hall. And that's been a real problem in the last three or four years. But I do think there are a lot of people uh, that may not live in downtown Portland that are in the suburbs and other parts of the state who uh, are looking at Portland and going, hey, get your act together. And so I think they, that, you know, what I'm saying and what I'm calling out, sure, there's fodder there because politically, like Portland would love to get a Major League Baseball team. You can't bring Major League Baseball executives to downtown Portland right now. You can't. It's embarrassing. So uh, I do think there are a lot of people like myself that are frustrated. And uh, look, uh, you know this, like, you know, I sleep well writing the truth as, as I know it. Um, you know, I covered Tark when it wasn't easy to write critically about Jerry Tarkanian. I covered Bob Knight. It wasn't easy to do that uh, in those communities. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, you know, I got to Portland and uh, the trailblazers were a mess. And I think in a lot of ways it made it easier for me to tell the truth because I went, man, I've seen this before. I've been through this. I've got to sleep well. I know that, you know, for me, ultimately, it comes down to being able to write things that might be uncomfortable to people, but but that I know to be true. And I can I can walk back in there the next day and defend it. All right, let's move to Larry Miller. And I, I felt like this Sports Illustrated story and I think the headline of your story captured my thoughts uh, perfectly in terms of like, man, this is fascinating. But man, there's a bunch of questions <laughs> I have about this story. 
What struck you about the story and, and, and like the unanswered questions seem to, an- to be outnumber the answered questions to me? I mean, A, it's shocking, right? You've got a Nike executive who is wildly successful, 72 years old, been at this a long time, that is high profile, not just in the city, but with the Jordan brand across the country and the world. So it's this is a global thing. And you've got, you know, former president of the Trailblazers. He comes forth with this secret that he murdered somebody when he was, you know, a teenager. And I mean, it shocked me one But as I read the Sports Illustrated piece, I kept sort of fumbling through and looking for, hey, where is the 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 passage where he knocks on the door of uh, the family of Edward Wright, White, the the kid that he killed? It was an 18 year old. He walked up. He shot him. Uh, So where's the passage that says, you know, Larry Miller went and knocked on the door. He told the family, you know, how sorry he was and that he would do everything in his power for the rest of his life to try to make this right. Or or he called them and said, hey, I'm writing a book and I want to give you the proceeds. Where is that passage? So it jumped out to me that while he is an example of redemption and that you can do some good with your life if you've done something horrible, there is also something missing here. He skipped a step. Like, I want to know how the family feels about this all coming back up. There's a family out there that lost an 18-year-old son and brother that doesn't uh, have that resolution and peace that Larry Miller now has. So that jumped out to me right away. And then I wanted to know where the proceeds of the book are going. Uh, I wanted to know why now. Um, There were just some unanswered pieces, loose ends. And I think most journalists reading that would, and readers reading that would go, hey, wait a minute, I'm not totally comfortable with this. Let me ask you this. Do you believe no one knew for all these years? He worked at Nike. He worked for the Portland Trailblazers. I think he worked for Campbell Soup. This guy's got to be worth a ton of money. He's had some high-profile jobs. Michael Jordan, Adam Silver, Phil Knight, none of these people knew this secret about him. I find that hard to believe. I'm just sorry. The guy was in prison for murder, and then, and thanks for pointing me the right direction here, he violates his parole with a kidnapping charge and does more time. No one knew you can hold these high-profile positions and no one knew? Yeah, I find that difficult to believe because I I also think people who are close to him, I have a hard time believing that he didn't share this at some point with somebody. And I had to wonder as I read the piece, Jason, and I don't know if you had the same thought, but I was wondering, like, you know, we're in an era now where um, nothing is sacred. Everybody is digging around in everybody's past. And I just wonder if, you know, Larry Miller had uh, did, was somebody calling him on this and he decided he needed to get out front and control the narrative uh, was Sports Illustrated itself poking around on this front. And he said, hey, hold up. I'll give you the story. I'm writing a book about it here. You know, he in the in the passage or in this piece, he, he does say, you know, he he wanted to get in front of it. He didn't want it to leak out as he was preparing to write the write the book. But uh, I'm really confused as to how this didn't come up at any point ever. You know, and he mentions that, you know, he went in for a job interview and uh, on the application, it said, you know, have you have you been convicted of a felony in the last five years? He breathes a sigh of relief and he says not in the last five years. But I wonder in his time at Nike, this is another thing that struck me, how many employees or how many prospective employees applied for jobs there that had felony convictions that were not on the level of murder? 
that got denied for jobs. And, you know, how does he feel about that? So I wanted to talk to Larry. I reached out to him. He said when he does more media, you know, I'm on his list. He definitely wants to talk to me. But it, it feels to me right now that he's got his side of the story out in a way that he's comfortable with. And he wants to kind of be done with it until he writes the book. And so just this past week, we, we dealt with a, a story in the sports world, Adam Schefter, someone whom I respect, and I, I'm not taking a dump on Adam Schefter, but he sends a story to Bruce Allen, someone that I know and respect, and calls him Mr. Editor and asks for his approval. You just said that, and again, we're not trying to dump on Howard Beck, but we're just trying to be truthful here and honest, that Larry got this story out the way that he wanted. And that's how it read to me, like, this wasn't Sports Illustrated's story. This was the story Larry Miller handed to Sports Illustrated on the basis that it come out sympathetic towards Larry Miller. I, 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 I'm disappointed with Sports Illustrated. Uh, not, again, you send me the link to, to the information about his violation of his parole in the 1970s for being involved in a kidnapping. Why isn't that in the Sports Illustrated story? If you can run that down, why can't Sports Illustrated? Yeah, I, I Googled that. I mean, that was that was pretty easy. It popped right up. And another thing that came out that I wasn't comfortable with in the Sports Illustrated piece is that, you know, uh, it was referred to as a gang related incident and it was referred to as a gang related incident in one of the court filings but also uh police who were interviewed afterwards in the original uh, news story that ran in philadelphia police said that edward edward white was not in a gang he had no affiliation so are they saying that it was a gang related incident because larry miller says he was in a gang or not because i i, I wanted that cleared up too i mean there were just a few things in there that that to me, I think, uh, you know, an ed any editor would have said, hey, we need to find out, you know, how the family feels about this. Let's make a phone call on that front. And and by the way, he served five, four and a half years in prison on the original second degree murder charge. How how was it that he was still in prison approaching his 30s? He was 16 years old when this happened. Well, it was the parole violation that he had the kidnapping charge that uh, was tacked onto the top of it. I think there's a terrific story of redemption in here. Like, let's make no mistake, we want we want people who are convicted of crimes to be in the system, to get educated, to come out and you know have a low recidivism rate. We want all those good things. That's all in this story. But there was some stuff in here that just made me uncomfortable, and I can't, with good conscience, just pass this off as you know. Larry Miller is a sympathetic victim of this you know uh, secret that he's held for all these years. The victim here is Edward White, who lost his life, not Larry Miller. Larry Miller, you know, had a successful career. And I think part of that, you know, debt to society and redemption is is facing the consequences of your crime. And he really didn't. He he kept this a secret. And I think, you know, that part to me just made me uncomfortable throughout reading it. Are you planning on writing a follow up piece? Are you digging in as a journalist, or maybe someone else at the newspaper is, will we be reading more about Larry Miller, Edward White, and this story? 
Yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk to Larry Miller. I've reached out to him. I, I will continue to try to talk to him. And uh, he says when he's ready, we'll talk. But I hope that that's not just in front of the book release as a promotional thing. Like, let's let's have a conversation. But I also hope he talks to Edward White's family. Like, I think he owes them a phone call before he talks to me. I would love to talk to them as well, because you talk about uh, the uh, victims in this case. I mean, that family now is going to have to relive a crime from 50 years ago that probably tore their family apart. They're going to have to relive it again. How do they feel about this all coming up that you can't just give that one sentence in a sports illustrated piece. You can't, that needs, that needed to be a couple of paragraphs and an interview, a conversation. It was buried in there as a throwaway line. I wasn't comfortable at all with that. So yeah, I, I will follow up. And of course the Oregonians looking at it and, and looking deeper into, okay, what else what else don't we know? Or, and why did this come out when, it, when it's coming out? John, thank you so much for the time. Uh, I would instruct all of my viewers, or all of our viewers, I'm telling you, I, I don't know if there's a better sports journalist of the last 20 years than John. And, and I say that in all seriousness. And, and it's, if, if he lived in a different city, everybody in the country would know him. Uh, the guy is, does terrific work, and I, I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to reconnect uh, this morning. Uh, John knows I've always respected him and his work and what he's done in Portland. The guy is a beast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jason. Feelings mutual, obviously. You've done a terrific job. It's great to see you continue to have success, man. I'll see you down the road. See you. All right, that's John Cassano. I'm not done with this topic. I want to. I just wanted to let John go, and and because I wanted us to be working from a foundation of information and knowledge. So John Cassano Googled Larry Miller and found out uh, the guy violated his parole and was convicted of or got additional time for violating his parole for being involved in a kidnapping. Sports Illustrated didn't have access to Google or had no interest in finding out any further details or truth about Larry Miller. And, and this goes to the two separate Americas that we have created. There's one for the elites and, and the elites who are on the right side of history or the right side of democratic politics, the right side of China perhaps, Nike executive here. This guy can confess murder of a completely innocent victim. It can be framed by a previously, but still a, re a respected media brand, a, a formerly a major media brand, Sports Illustrated. He's presented on the cover of their magazine as a sympathetic figure. Brett Kavanaugh had a dispute with a teenage girl about a sexual encounter that mostly revolved around dry humping. He dry humped a girl as a teenager she got away before anything more serious happened. And people want to demonize and crucify 
Brett Kavanaugh. Larry Miller, murder and kidnapping. And he's a sympathetic figure. I don't want to demonize Larry Miller. I really don't. Because I do believe people should have the opportunity to overcome their mistakes from the past. But we got to have some equality of consequences here. We got to have some equality of judgment and, and, and again, I don't think we should be demonizing uh, uh, Larry Miller. But should we be demonizing Brett Kavanaugh? John Gruden? John Gruden is a scumbag and a dirt ball and has to be run out of the NFL over emails. Emails. He said DeMora Smith had big lips and people were on TV crying. 10 years ago, John Gruden wrote an email saying DeMora Smith had big lips and Randy Moss went on national TV and cried about it. Sam Ponder joined him in tears. Three white men sat around looking at this and pretended like they were sad and upset. The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have taken John Gruden out of the Tampa Bay Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor Hall of Fame because of emails. And I know that the Tampa Bay deal has to do with the homophobia or the use of the F word in the emails. It goes beyond the Demora Smith big lips deal. But I'm watching people on TV cry about emails. I cannot, let's monitor ESPN for the next 24 to 48 hours, and let's see if anybody cries about Larry Smith murdering an 18-year-old. Will Stephen A. Smith cry? Will anybody at ESPN cry? Larry Miller murdered an 18-year-old, and no one will shed a tear. I'm not even sure if Larry Miller's gonna shed a tear. If, if you read the Sports Illustrated story, it, this, this whole little confession is so he can sleep at night. How do you think Edward White's family's been sleeping for 56 years? want to be careful because I got to be honest. I'm just being transparent. I don't know all the business of all of my friends, but I'm just being honest and transparent. I've got some friends who, if they confess to, whoo, boy, when I was, oh, you know what? Hell, I, uh, oh my God, what is, why can't I think of, Rock Johnson. 
Rock Johnson did like 30 years for murder. Friend of mine, one of Jim Brown's best friends. I support Rock Johnson's uh, AAU summer basketball teams have for years. Rock's been to my house. Rock's been out to dinner with me. Rock is somebody I'd be very comfortable with around my family. I love Rock Johnson. I get, but he didn't get four and a half years, not Rock. Rock did some real time. Rock had to do some real repentance. But hell, I got other friends. I'm just that I'm not saying this to brag. What I'm saying is I'm not a super judgmental person, but for the grace of God, there go I. And I say that in all seriousness. Thank God for my mother and father. Thank God for my grandmother. Thank God for 25th Street Baptist Church. Thank God for moving me off of 38th and Grand Boulevard to 21st and Post Road. Because I was headed a bad direction. And so I, I'm not trying to place myself above Larry Miller. I'm not trying to say I'm upset about uh, his level of success and what all he overcame. None of that. I don't want to demonize that man. But I do want to ask the media and this culture we've created. Where Larry Miller can confess to murder, hide kidnapping and be in great standing in this culture that the left has created. He's with Nike. He's with China. In the story, I want to read directly from the story, <laughs> the Sports Illustrated's justification. Hold on. Where, oh, my God. Where is it? Oh, yeah, here it is. Since Miller returned to the Jordan brand in 2012, the company has expanded its roster of female athletes, launched the Jordan women's line, and increased its presence in college and sports outside basketball. He also has overseen the development of Jordan's brand's social impact platform, known as Wings. That paragraph is written to tell you, yeah, I know he committed murder, and someone may tell you later that he was involved in a kidnapping, but look what all he's done for the feminist agenda. He launched the Jordan women's line and has expanded the roster of female athletes. That makes up for murder and kidnapping. And see, this is why it's hard for me to get on board with no one knew. Because to me, it sounds like everybody knew. We got an executive we have by the balls. We got so much dirt on Larry Miller, he's gonna do exactly what we tell him to do. If we tell Larry Miller, we want little Nas X and Michael Jordan dry humping each other in a pair of Air Jordans, he's gonna do it. 
He's going to ask Jordan. Jordan may say no. And again, I'm not saying the little Nas X and Jordan. I'm just saying they have complete control of Larry Miller. He's compromised. And if I'm just sorry, I just don't buy this. <laughs> I just told Phil Knight and Michael Jordan and Adam Silver a couple of months ago. And, and the story goes on. Adam Silver's quoted in the story. Hold on, let me make sure. Here's one of Adam Silver's quotes. I then went from stunned to amazed that Larry had managed his long and very successful professional career, operating at the highest levels in our industry with this secret firmly intact and was ultimately left with the feeling of sadness that Larry had carried this burden all these years without the support of his many friends and colleagues. Murder and kidnapping. And the commissioner of the National Basketball Association, Adam Silver, is quoted in Sports Illustrated using these words. I want to just <laughs> read that again. Murder and kidnapping. Adam Silver says this. I then went from stunned to amazed that Larry had managed this long and very successful professional career, operating at the highest levels in our industry, with this secret firmly intact, and was ultimately left with a feeling of sadness that Larry had carried this burden all these years without the support of his many friends and colleagues. Are you kidding me? Now, if I'm the commissioner of the NBA and someone tells me, you know what, when I was 16, man, I was in a gang and we got drunk and high and I went out and killed some 18 year old and I didn't know who the hell he was. Come to find out he wasn't even in a gang, never had no involvement with the police. And you hear that story and you go to, Larry carried this burden all these years without the support of his many friends. What about the White family and the burden they're carrying? They carried the burden. Larry got four and a half years for second degree murder. Larry got the hookup and he screwed up the hookup by getting involved with a kidnapping. And then Larry got the hookup again. If, think this through. Look at the society and culture we're building. And I'm, I wanna particularly What's the dude from Cash Money Records? Baby? Ain't that his name? Baby? Birdman. Birdman. Don't they call, Bird, but don't they call him Baby too? Yes. Yeah, Birdman, Baby. Yeah, the, the guy that's kissing Lil Wayne and all these guys. You know, yeah, that guy. With the long little prison rap sheet. He got the hookup. He was in the joint. He got the hookup. 
He's running cash money records. He's a big executive. Tatted up everywhere. Baby Birdman. Look, look at all the rappers. They all get to confess whatever the hell it is they or brag about whatever the hell they is they did. They're all getting the hookup. Why are they getting the hookup? Because they're compromised and people can grab them by the balls. They own them because they're compromised. They got secrets. The stuff they brag about on wax ain't the secrets I'm talking about. It's what they did to get on wax. Those are the secrets. And see, when you've been mentally or physically incarcerated, mentally or physically incarcerated, what you're willing to do to get the hookup, anything. Dropping to your knees is easy. Bending over is easy. To get the hookup? When you've been mentally or physically incarcerated, you see people bending over and dropping to their knees incarcerated for nothing, for crumbs. They grabbing belt loops in prison for out of fear. They ain't getting offered nothing. But then you come up out of that situation, out of prison, and all you got to do is hop on board with an agenda and do what you're told, and then you can get the hookup. But <laughs> Sports Illustrated don't want it. Howard Beck's not built for this story, and that's why he was chosen to write this story, and that's why Sports Illustrated was chosen to write this story. It's all a game, and, and, and anybody that can't see the double standard here, that if you're on board with this leftist BS, you can get away with murder. You can get away with kidnap. You can confess your sins public. There's not one instance, and this is just for me, what I kept looking for in the story. I kept thinking at some point, this guy was going to thank God, thank Jesus, say, oh my God, I spent so much time in church and in prayer and in counseling and begging for forgiveness and repentance, and I, I would just love to do anything to the Edward White family I can to make it up to them. Never heard any of that in the story. That's all irrelevant. What's relevant is, since Miller returned to Jordan Brand in 2012, the company has expanded its roster of female athletes, launched the Jordan women's line. <laughs> Woo! So Nike CEO, John Donahoe, he was quoted in the story as well. Another one of these people that had no idea that Larry had gone to prison for murder and, and, and kidnapping, even though John Cassano could figure it out in a morning using Google. Nike, Phil Knight's organization, they had no idea, none. 
quote, Larry Miller has played an influential role in Nike history and is the beloved member of the Nike family. His story is an example of the resilience, perseverance, and strength of the human spirit. I hope his experience can create a healthy discourse around the criminal justice reform by helping remove the stigma that holds people and communities back. No one at Nike is, gives a damn about Edward White and his family. No, no one. It's, I get in trouble for this or people get mad at me, but, but Nike is Aleister Crowley. They, their slogan is, just do it. Aleister Crowley, the Satanist, his slogan is, do what thou wilt, which is the same as just do it. You know where Nike's slogan, just do it, came from? I mean, do people, this is a fact, look it up. Gary Gilmore, double murderer, his last words before being executed, just do it. I'm not making that up. Do the research yourself. That's where Nike came up with its slogan. Gary Gilmore. Norman Mailer wrote a book about Gary Gilmore. I read it, The Executioner's Song. It's one of the best books ever written. Just do it. That's where Nike's slogan came from. A double murderer. But they didn't know anything about Larry Miller. This is all news to them. Let's listen to Larry Miller and his take on all of this. I promise, I'm not making this up. This is in the Sports Illustrated story. I've been blown away by how positive the response has been. A real freeing exercise. I've been blown away by how positive the response has been. The man confesses to murder and he's blown away by how positive the response has been. John Gruden's emails. Did he get a positive response? Has he been blown away by how positive the response has been to emails? Demore Smith has big lips. Did he get a positive response from saying, stating facts? John Gruden would have been better off murdering somebody and confessing years later. He'd get a more positive response if he were confessing to murder and kidnapping than some damn emails. This cannot stand. We can't keep doing this. So a friend sent me this weekend uh, all, all upset, or not, I can't say all upset, but just said it to me, just pointing out like the hypocrisy of the world that we're building, the unequal consequences and, 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 and situation we've established here in America. It sent me a reminder, hey, Jay, you remember Kobe, the NBA fined him $100,000 for using the F word, screamed out the F word, mad at someone in a game. He got a $100,000 fine. John Gruden, has been run out of the NFL for the same thing. 
Friend didn't even add like what well, he did eventually add like, you know, Kobe was accused of rape, right? I don't know whether Kurt Kobe did or didn't. We do know that, you know, he apologized to his wife, gave her a five, six, seven million dollar ring. And, you know, something happened between Kobe and the girl in Colorado. Maybe it was all consensual. I, I don't know. People think I'm a Kobe hater. I'm not a Kobe hater, but I'm also not an idolater. Kobe's part of no cult that I'm in. Kobe's not my God. I'm not going to pretend that Kobe was some sort of perfect figure while here on earth. I said a week before Kobe died, I went on Speak for Yourself and talked in detail about how Kobe in retirement was a person that I liked. I liked the direction his life was going because I do believe in redemption. I do believe in people learning from their mistakes and pivoting. I talked about that on Speak for Yourself a week, maybe three or four days before he died in that helicopter. I had no idea he was going to die in a helicopter, but I, it was just on my heart. Kobe came up as a conversation. I started talking positively about Kobe and the pivot and the change he had made in his life and his plans to do a lot of things that were going to help young people and kids. I liked and respected that about Kobe. I stand by all of that. And it, it was a tragedy when he died, helping his daughter as an athlete. All of that is true. But it's also true, Kobe as a player was a spoiled brat who, who carried himself on the court like he was entitled and the activity he was accused of in Colorado sounded like it came from a person who felt entitled to things that he wanted and didn't care about the other person. I didn't like the way Kobe handled his relationship with Shaquille O'Neal. Kobe wasn't person, uh, wasn't perfect. But now Kobe's treated like a god and no one can say anything about him. And all of his sins are forgiven. And they're all irrelevant and no one should talk about him because he died in a helicopter accident. But John Gruden, he wrote some emails. Brett Kavanaugh dry humped a girl as a teenager. I'm not just, I'm not justifying dry humping, but if dry humping a girl as a teenager is a crime that someone has to deal with 40 years later. We're all going to jail. All, me and all my friends are. I ain't going to say all of them. I don't want to put you up. Me and 90% of my friends are. We, this kind of America cannot continue forever. We just can't go on like this. This is crazy. You can't have one set of rules for one people and a different set for other people. Not this blatantly.
And I know many of you are saying, oh, but yeah, he went on for a hundred years for, for black people and, and, and no one cared. Yes, people did care, and that's why we had a civil war. That's why we had a civil rights movement. That's why people died. So that we'd have some equality and some consequences for people that set up rules and standards that favored one group over the other. No one died so that Larry Miller could be forgiven for any and all of his sins while John Gruden faces the death sentence for his. No one, Martin Luther King, Abraham Lincoln, soldiers in the Civil, Civil War, Medgar Evers in the Civil Rights Movement, them three little kids in Birmingham, Alabama that died in a church. None of them people died so that we could set up an inequality system like the one we've set up in 2021. That's all I'm gonna say on this topic today. That's all I'm gonna say today. I'm done. Let's play tomorrow. And we'll move on to tomorrow. Um, where I'll probably have more to say on this topic. Because I spent most of Monday morning trying to get to the bottom of this Larry Miller deal. Now, now that my thoughts are more clear, I'm gonna start another fire tomorrow about this, probably. All right, I'm Jason Whitlock. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want.